And we're back with another episode of Election Profit Makers. The podcast's so nice, we recorded two episodes twice. It's a twofer this week on Election Profit Makers, but once again, my name is the same as always. It's Kid Midas, the original wave rider, and I'm joining the line from way down south in North Carolina by John Kimball. Hey. Or should I say Long John Silver? Yep, that's my name. John, I don't know if you had this on your 2023 bingo card, but Did election, not. Ele- election profit makers are going to have a live episode taping at an undisclosed location in two months. The location is undisclosed only because it is not quite time yet to reveal the location of this live podcast. Can you give some hints? Well, it's... Is it in the? Is it way down south? Why don't we say that this is the place that is somehow simultaneously the last place on earth I ever thought we would do a podcast episode and also the first place on earth where I ever okay. thought we would do a podcast episode. <laughs> All right. Longtime listeners probably are getting a sense of the contours of this as of yet undisclosed reality. Why don't we just tell our listeners to... Keep your ears and eyes open for an announcement about a March 7th live podcast taping. Start saving money now so that you can book your airplane flight to this location once we reveal it, because we'll be have a live episode and then we'll also have a bit of a meetup. We, oh, we're going to have a meetup too? Well, I think, yeah, isn't that, if people show up for a live event, isn't that basically <clears throat> We've, a I've never done a live episode. I don't. I don't, I'm ner- most nervous about that. Well, I think it'll be a lot of, I think it'll be a lot of fun and, and stay tuned so that you, so that you'll um, learn more information, dear listeners. Yeah. The old catchphrase, stay tuned so that you'll learn more information, dear listeners. Who was the first podcaster to say that? Was it Kai Rizdahl of NPR's Marketplace? Do you ever listen to that podcast or that radio nope. show called Kai Rizd- or called no. Marketplace? Uh, yes, yes, it does. It comes on. I think that guy gets paid by how long a pause he can insert between saying his name and the name of his radio show. Because I know someone that used to be a producer on that radio show. Really? Yeah. And she said it was quite a toxic, uh, place. Really? Yeah. I guess many places probably are. That's, that's, maybe that's not interesting. That's kind of interesting, actually. I mean, that's a famous show, and he's been on the air for a long time now. I don't know if it's it's him that's making it that way, but I just heard that it was it was a notoriously like, eh, it's not a great job. It's like this. I'm Kai Rizdal, and this is Marketplace. I think he's like, I made it to eight seconds. That means I get my $100,000 performance bonus this episode. Mm. We'll have more information when we do the numbers. And then if the market's down, they play um, Stormy Weather. And if the market's up, they play In the Money in the background on the piano. Oh, that's right. That's what they do. Yeah. It's like jazzy NPR finance show. And what time does it come on? Like six or five? I can't tell. It's always on when I'm just trying to get a little bit of the news. If I tune in too late, then it's Kai Rizdal talking to somebody about how the lumber industry is is, and the housing shortage and stuff or, you know. Housing shortages. Well, we'll have more when we do the numbers. John, let's stop hemming and hawing and let's get to the crux of this episode. Let's get to the meat of this episode. Mm -hmm. Friday night was perhaps the best night 
I've ever had. I, I was going to say the best night I've ever had on Predict It, but I think it, Friday night might have been the best night I've ever had. The final series of votes for Kevin McCarthy as House Speaker. How do we even begin to discuss what this night meant to us? This was Friday night. This was Friday, yeah. January 6th. And it was the 14th. I guess they had they had they had had a uh, recess from earlier in the day, and they say you know we, we're going to go to a fourteenth vote tonight. Yeah, that was a lot of votes, and was probably the most exciting thing that I've watched on C-SPAN since I don't know when was when was it when McCain shot down um, the Obamacare repeal, the Obamacare with the thumbs down. Except this lasted for hours. Yes. And we were um, wave riding during the entire time. This felt like the last big night unpredicted. It really felt like this is it. We're going out with a bang. This is such a volatile in market for such an insane, almost unprecedented situation. I'm surprised everyone didn't just clear out of predicted the next morning because what a way to go out, you know? Yeah. No, it was really fun. It was fun. Um, yeah, yeah, it was fun. We were both long Kevin McCarthy. We believed in Kevin McCarthy that he was going to win. And then um, <clears throat> it, it came a certain point around 11 p.m. on Friday night, January the 6th, where there was just mass confusion on the House floor and in on Twitter and in our texts and in our minds and on on predicted where it felt like a long time, but maybe it was only like 10 minutes or so where we just did not know what was going on. It was um, exhilarating. It really was. It really was. Uh, in the end, I guess um, Matt Gates did decide to turn around and, and play ball. I assume McCarthy had won the vote and then there was an extended period of mumbling and and more or less confused silence on C-SPAN because C-SPAN had no commentators or analysis right. going on. So it was just like even more intense and uncanny. That's a very good point to bring up. That nobody was controlling the narrative. It was near midnight. So there was nobody on C-SPAN. I don't know what was going on in cable news, if that was being followed. On Twitter, you were just sort of relying on these legislative uh, reporters who I'm not certain that they knew what was going on. And all of a sudden there was just like uh, reports. People are, uh, don't look happy. People are whispering. Uh, there's concern. I'm not certain they have the votes. Kevin McCarthy has uh, stood up and is approaching Matt Gates. Yes. Because Matt yes. Gates had voted present, which meant that Kevin McCarthy was, I think, technically one half vote short of winning the speakership. Right, because I think one Republican had not made it back. It was reported that he was going to make it back in time. So, uh, and then the yes, you know, tempers flared. Uh, the North Carolina delegation was was heavily involved in a skirmish. It was a big night for North Carolina Republicans because um, Republican Representative Patrick and Patrick McHen Patrick McHenry of uh, the 10th Congressional District. He was the one who nominated McCarthy for what everyone thought would be the final vote. That's right. Yeah. I 
I didn't see that actually, but you told me that later on. And then uh, a representative Hudson, who is from the 9th Congressional District, uh, which is all of Chatham County. So literally, literally like two miles from where I am. That guy could be my guy. Mm-hmm. And um, he was there as well and putting his hand on the mouth of uh, an, another congressman from Alabama who was very angry at Matt Gates and was telling him that you're finished because uh, you have embarrassed Kevin McCarthy and you have not voted the way you're supposed to. Absolute chaos unpredicted. At one point, I made $40 in 30 seconds, I think. I had, I had started shorting Kevin McCarthy. I sold those no's at just the right moment. And then in the immediate aftermath of Gates's um, present vote, when it became clear that McCarthy did not have the votes, I started to think, okay, now truly anything can happen. And I gobbled up 2,000 shares, Kevin McCarthy, no. <laughs> yes. One of, the, yes. one of the smartest things I've ever done. No, it one was. One of the biggest YOLO moments ever. But you had like, to. Who knows? George Santos might vote for Batman on the next round. Like, <laughs> I, nobody knows what's going to happen. I also still had a thousand shares Hakeem Jeffries yes that I've had for weeks for the same reason, which is like this is so chaotic. There might be a huge mistake and and Jeffries actually gets the speakership. So why not? Yeah. Yeah. Alas, I wound up losing hundreds of dollars. But you know what? It was totally worth it. No, it was worth it. I would do it again in a heartbeat. Absolutely. I did the same thing. It got up to around 97 cents. And, you know, we were both, I was negative risk at that point where I was going to make, you know, hundreds of dollars across the board. I was and able to set up that way. you haven't done negative risk in a long, long time. This is probably your last negative risk play on predicted. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, ju- I just, you know, it just kept going on and on and on. And I was like, you know, maybe this isn't going to happen for him. So I'll do negative risk. And then I decided, no, I am going all in. No. And I bought thousands of, of, of Kevin McCarthy. Uh, no shares as well. And and then it was like, if it's anyone but McCarthy, I'm going to win like $3,000. And I was like, yes. And it went down to like 90 or 87. And for a moment there, it was looking great. Um, and yeah, so I ended up making a few hundred bucks because I did not trade it very well, just like you did. Uh, but it was, I think it was, I think that was the right move in in that in that moment. To take that risk. In that moment, there was only one thing to do, which was to lay it all on the line and say, this dude will never be Speaker of the House. Yeah. Because he came out he came out this afternoon saying, it's a done deal. I have the votes. It's going to happen. And then yeah. it didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. And then was he was happy and people were getting pretty happy. <laughs> yeah. So now Kevin McCarthy is the Speaker of the House. Yeah. He is the uh, 50, 56 Speaker of the House or something. Jim Jordan is going to be the head of the House Judiciary Committee. He's going to investigate all the Hunter Biden stuff and shut down the January 6th inquiries, I guess. Mm-hmm. And Matt Gates and Lauren Boebert are basically going to run the government for the next two years. That's what mm-hmm. everybody's saying. Apparently, apparently, Kevin McCarthy had to give away a lot of power in order to get this done. And if Predictit was still making markets, I'm sure one market they would have is what, what will there be a vote to recall Kevin McCarthy before or after the next day. Right. Why, who, why, why want a job that much? I don't get it, man. Like I, what, uh, what honestly, honestly, you want this job as opposed to, you, you don't want to just be a, a regular representative. Why not? And, what and, does this, and, the speaker of the house never goes on to become president. I mean, like 
I guess you have a lot of power nominally, but he this guy has no power. I mean, this is what he's worked for his whole his whole life. So yeah, I guess, but it's like the sunk cost fallacy, and I guess we can all relate to this on some level in our lives. But it's like, so he's worked for this all his life. Is vote after vote after vote after humiliation after humiliation. He's gonna and he gave away so much stuff to these maniacs. Mm-hmm. Didn't he ever stop and think like, is this really worth it? But I, on the other hand, he, the fact that he had already moved his stuff into that office, yeah. If he had had to move out of that office with everyone watching him and taking photographs, it's true. There's, there's, there was, if I was in his position, there's nothing I wouldn't do then to just not have to move out of that office. Right. Exactly. He had, as bad as it is, is his job is going to be. It was going to be much worse to have gone through 15 votes and then finally lost. And then had to move out. Yeah. What a night. What a night. After it was over, I could not sleep. I was up till 4, 5 a.m. I was so pumped up just from watching C-SPAN in the little corner of my my iPhone. I got to say, C-SPAN stepped up so hard. C-SPAN really rose to the occasion. No commentators, no analysis. They just left us alone with this political moment to confront the abyss. To make to make sense of it in real time on our own, right? And and the reason why we were able to even even without all the commentary, we did have different camera angles where they were zooming in, and you could you could see the different conferences. Oh, was C-SPAN uh, very com- proud of that? Fact? Yeah, <laughs> and, and, but were they see, ever that's mentioning the freedom they had with their cameras. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the thing. Normally, C-SPAN doesn't have that. And because there were no rules set up yet, because it was not officially, Congress did not exist at that point, uh, C-SPAN was able to do what they they did. Um, and we were able to see a lot more than that just static image that we normally do. We got close-ups. It was like being at an award show where they would like cut to the nominees as their names were read, or they would, yeah. Yeah, they would cut to representatives as their name was about to be called. It was good stuff. It was like the Golden Globes. Yeah, I think the Golden Globes are coming up this week. Speaking of Hollywood, what is that? What is uh, what? What do they celebrate? TV? They celebrate the finest in entertainment, John. They celebrate okay. the best of movies and tell. I th- well, not celebrate. No, I think commemorate. it's just. I think it's just movies. I don't. Oh shit! I can't remember. I don't know. They ce- I thought just that celebrate was the Oscars. The was movies? Well, there's more. You can have. Um, the Oscars for movies, and then there's like um, the Venice Film Festival and the Cannes Film Festival. Those are movies, and they have awards. And the Golden Globes also celebrates movies. Interesting. I think that's yeah. not one that I I respect as much as the Oscars or the well, Emmys. Well, it has a troubled history. The Hollywood Foreign Press Association runs the Golden Globes, and a lot of people think that they just nominate movie stars because then they get to spend time with movie stars. And then there was a big controversy about how white it was and they didn't even have it a couple years ago or something. I try to keep up. I really do. But sometimes there's too much information on Hollywood for me to keep up with. Hmm. Plus I'm trying to understand the Kevin McCarthy vote and all that chaos. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I guess I'll say that I prefer television when it's live without a net, whether it's the incendiary monologues of Ricky Gervais hosting the golden globes or the confusion and um, violence on the House floor when a vote goes unpredictably wrong for Kevin McCarthy. There's something about January 6th, you know? This was the this all happened on the two-year anniversary of January 6th. Yeah. What a night. A night to remember. Mm-hmm. 
And that's probably it for predicted. 17 markets left as of this morning. The Kevin McCarthy market has resolved. This damn Fauci market, I feel like, is going to be the last one standing. Why have they not resolved this market about whether Fauci was the head of the uh, uh, Infectious Allergy Disease Center Control? What's the fucking thing called? NIAID? When are they going to resolve that market? I don't know, but uh, by the time they resolve it, I will no longer be in it because uh, as we speak, I am liquidating my position at 88 cents uh, just because I'm sick of waiting around. I don't, I don't know what's going on. I wish I could do that, but I can't because I bought at 90 like a damn idiot. Oh, no. I got, remember, I got out around 90 and then I got back in at 91. So I'm selling for a loss here. Okay. Uh, I, I just, why, I don't, I don't understand why it's not. Um, Will Fauci be NIAID director through the end of the year? We are, we are now more than a week into the new year and it is not resolved. Yeah. So uh, I don't see why it won't resolve. Yes, at some point, but um, I just rather, I'd rather just get my money out. All right. Me getting out is not saying that I think it's going to resolve poorly uh, in it, as no. I'm just, I don't want to wait. Was that interesting? Yeah, that was pretty interesting. Say yeah. it again in a funny accent so I have the okay, option. Okay, no, I don't do accents. Me getting out. Uh-huh, there we go. Yep, yep. Is not a reflection of my belief that um, it will resolve no. Governor. Nine to five, friends. Working nine to five. We're going to do a live watch party of nine to five, the classic office comedy. We're going to watch this movie, which, fair warning, shows some of the characters smoking marijuana, which is a gateway drug. We're going to watch this movie on Thursday, this Thursday, January 12th, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. You can join the Patreon and then go to the Discord and then we will all sync our movie playing apparatuses and then we'll all hit play at the same time and then John and I will talk you through watching 9 to 5. I can't wait to do this because I have not seen this movie since I was a child. I think last week I said I had seen it in 6th grade. I actually think it was 4th grade. Yeah, this will be fun. And just for those, if you cannot make it, we do record this and we will release it to our Patreon members and, and and you can listen to it and sync it up on your own time. Nine to five, work in nine to five, Thursday, January 12th, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Election Profit Makers Discord. What a way to make a living. 1980. 19, wait, really? That's what it says. Man, I watched this at my friend's house on Home Box Office, HBO. Yeah. It was my first friend to have cable and they had HBO. That's ba- they probably showed nine to five like fifty times a day. What channel was HBO back then? I was like cable channel thirteen or thirty six. I thought it was twenty one. Might have been. I didn't have cable. I never had cable as a kid. Yeah, you had a cable box. It was like a, it was Village Cable. Let's save that for the um okay watch party. Right. That's going to be good. Right. Piedmont, North Carolina cable packages of the early eighties. An investigative report. Yeah. And, right. and so so HBO was 21 and then Cinemax was 22. And then if you could you could put the Again, thing- John, I'm begging you to save this for the watch party. Uh, this, right. Don't give this gold away. Make people sign up for the Patreon to, to hear you recite okay. the, it's gonna the be old good. cable channel numbers. Yeah, it's going to be good. 
Uh, John, you have in this outline that you want to talk about Mayor Pete doing such a good job on fucking Fox News. You want to have your yeah. little mayor, your Mayor Pete propaganda corner? Yeah, they were really the old Fox. Fox uh, was given Mayor Pete. That's what they call him. They call him Mayor Pete. Uh, Pete Buttigieg, he's the head of the transportation administration. Uh, uh-huh. Just getting a little bit, just a little background. <laughs> just and old Pete, yeah, they decided to really put oh, Pete's feet to the fire, if you will, for uh, a trip overseas that he had taken with his spouse, uh, along with a, a bunch of other government uh, people, and. Um, they wanted to know if he had reimbursed the United States Treasury for paying for Chastain, his husband, to come along. And he said, of course not. And they were like, what? And then he said, why would I do that? Nobody else in the past who has brought their spouse along on these trips. And then he named everyone else in the past in bringing their spouse along and said, that's just how it works. And yeah, why is it any different for me? And then he immediately backed down because that's what people do. You can't take Pete on. He's too tough. He's too smart. This has been your Mayor Pete Propaganda Corner. Yeah. Hosted by Long John Silver and sponsored by the Department of Transportation. But see, stuff like that that goes viral online, people are like, yeah, that's why he, That's why Pete's going to get a following. Stuff like that that goes viral online, did that really go viral? Yeah, it did. Really? Yeah, you're you're not even online anymore. Twitter's not real life, man. It's ten. It got ten thousand thumbs up. Who cares, man? Yeah, I sent something to David yesterday about the um, the rioting in Brazil, and David <laughs> David said, "What's happening in Brazil?" This was ten hours after I had read about it, and and then I had taken a nap and I had forgotten. Brazil's having its own little January sixth cosplay. Mm. So, congratulations to all involved. Anything about UNC sports, John? Uh, no. All right, good. Yeah. Let's get to the Hollywood update. John, a little birdie, or should I say a little fishy, told me <laughs> that you of all people, the man who hates water and clanking water bottles and hydration more than anyone else, the man whose motto is, a dry Johnny is a happy fly Johnny, you of all people went to go see the wettest blockbuster of in human history. You saw Avatar The Way of Water, and I have, can't wait to hear your review of this soggy, sopping wet, moist, drenched alien movie. Dry boy, dry boy, it's time to come clean. What did you think of this? What did you think as you bared witness to the wetness of this soggy cinematic experience? Uh, it was fine. It was, oh, it was, come on. You got to give me more than that. It, 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 um, it's a visually beautiful, just like the first avatar. Um, it, uh, it's, yeah. Stunning imagery. Uh, the story is nothing impressive. Summarize the story for me. I'm not really sure what the plot is. I'm not. It's it's ba- basically like Titanic and Platoon put together, something like that. I mean, it's basically you know the big bad um, Earthlings coming down and trying to take the resources of the uh, the aliens. 
Is that not right? What's the Titanic part? Uh, the t- the water. The water. Oh, right. Because yeah. it takes place yeah. in the water. Yeah. Okay, there's a lot it. of water. But I mean, you could just see – to me, it felt like um, James Cameron was just trying to uh, do a better job on his past stunts with water. He was like, yeah, th- I, we did this in the Titanic. We're going to do it even better. We're going to do it even better on this one. Uh, it was just a lot of the same – Things. No, I don't know. I'm confused. A lot of the same things as Titanic. Are you still talking well, about the, Titanic? Or yeah, there was a sh- uh, like- there was a ship sinking in this, and there was fighting, and uh, you know, there were battles, and um, hmm. I would say that the first hour was uh interesting the second hour i was pretty bored and the third hour was just non-stop um people just getting wasted just shot and killed extremely extremely violent uh and one of the things that annoyed me when it was over was that I sat through three and a half hours of this and I never got up to go to the bathroom. Now, I, n- I don't need well, it's ever- because you don't drink water. That's right. I don't ever put myself in a position where I would have to go to the bathroom because, yeah. John urinates once a week. That's part right. part of his dry lifestyle. Uh, but say I had wanted to, um, I didn't because I felt like, you know, I could I could miss something important. And I can tell you now that if you want to excuse yourself to go to the bathroom for 10 minutes at any time in this film. 10 minutes? Go right away. You, you know, you're not going to miss anything. If, if, there's, if there's a scene where someone's dying or someone important dies or or something like that, I can guarantee you you can be gone for 10 minutes and come back and still watch them die for another 30 minutes. That's how everything is driving so- home to use the bathroom. Who takes 10 minutes to go to the bathroom at the movies? I don't, I don't know. I don't take 10 minutes because I don't go, I don't go, but I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that you're not going to miss anything. Did you see it in 3d? Is it in 3d? It's 3d, <laughs> right? Yeah, it is in 3d, but I did not see it in 3d because I did not put on, um, the 3D glasses. How does that? Work? Because they didn't hand they didn't they didn't hand out the 3D glasses to us. Uh, and then as we were leaving the theater, we saw a few people returning their 3D glasses, and we thought, oh, yeah, that would have been good. We'd watch this <laughs> in 3D. Wait, and I and and we were we were not the only people there who were not who were just watching it regularly. And you can watch it regularly without 3D glasses, and it doesn't have that doubled. Apparently. Oh, so it still looked good to you. Yeah, absolutely. Was there ever a scene of somebody in the water while also drinking water? Like, what was the wettest moment of the movie where you were like, okay, this is enough. There's too much water here. I'm getting triggered. Someone's going to clang a metal water bottle into a car door. Yeah, towards the end, the there was a lot of sinking uh, and... Um, just sort of being trapped in uh, in water. Yeah, a lot of water. A lot of people got killed with bow and arrows. Um, oh, really? Yeah. I mean, spoiler alert. I, I would say I'd say at least 150 people got killed in this film. Whoa. Okay. Most of them, like the evil uh, Earth people. Okay. Did the Earth people drink water? Hmm. I don't think I saw them drinking water. 
one to five buckets of water. How many how many buckets are you giving Avatar the way of water? Uh, three. Jeepers creepers. Looking at these listener questions. I really opened up a can of worms last yeah. week talking about talking about these fucking numbers and just intonation and I don't know what we were talking about. The nine, how you can do all these things with nine and just all this number stuff. And and I really I I asked questions, you know, I'm just 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 asking questions and then I got all these replies to the questions and it's just so much. I really appreciate everyone who wrote in such thoughtful replies, but we've got stuff about the magical properties of 9. Everyone remembers that if 9 times anything, if you sum the digits of the of the result and sum it all the way down, it will always equal 9. And that's because 9 is in our base 10, so it's one less than 10. And since we count in base 10, it'll always work out to be nine. John, you're just going to have to take my word on it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I took, I take your word and all the listeners that wrote in, I take their word too. I, I mean, I'll, I got to admit, I don't, I don't understand a lot of it. So I understand numbers and I do like numbers, uh, like adding and subtracting and multiplying and division. But I mean, I don't understand. I got to say, I don't understand a lot of this. Chris wrote in and said, it's interesting that in the same discussion you had last week, you touched briefly upon the idea of doing mathematics in different bases. I believe the reason the multiples of nine work out the way they do is because nine is one less than 10 in our base 10 system of mathematics. In fact, I think if I had the time and inclination, I could prove that for any number n, if we use base n math, then the multiples of n minus one will always have digits that add up to n minus one in base n. As an example, let's look at the number five in base six. So when we add numbers in base six, John, as I'm sure you know, we only use the digits 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. So 5 plus 1 equals 10 in base 6. So here are the multiples of 5 in base 6. 5, 14, 23, 32, 41, 50, 55, 104, 113, 122, 131. As you can see, adding up all these digits will always result in 5. I believe this would work in any base n system you choose. John, I mean, can you believe this stuff? These damn numbers? How are these people doing all this stuff with these numbers? But he says, I believe. Well, this guy, yes. I'm sure I believe him because somebody else wrote in and said, yeah, it's because nine is one less than 10 and you're in base 10. That doesn't make any sense. Then we got another one from, um, it doesn't make any sense. None of these numbers make any sense. I can't wait to get to the bottom of these numbers. I tell John, once I get to the bottom of these numbers, I'm really mm-hmm. going to have some exciting news to share with everybody about these numbers. <laughs> yeah. Then Joey wrote in about um, <laughs> Joey with with do I I can't under I can't understand what you wrote in about. Read it. Joey writes in the last Thank you, episode- by the way, for reading these because we <laughs> because before we came on, I started reading. I like to read ahead. Right. You know, because a lot of times you want me to read <laughs> read these and I I said, I'm not reading these. Well, here's what and you Joey must said. have known that I wasn't going to. Joey said, uh, in a recent episode, you requested more listener feedback about numbers and numerology. Yeah, As a yeah. particle physicist, uh-huh. two fun pieces of numerology come to mind. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm, I'll be the judge of that, Joey. Yeah. The first is the fine structure constant which is a dimensionless number that is very close to 1 over 137, and it determines the coupling strength of the electromagnetic interaction between photons and charged particles such as electrons or muons. 
which means it governs everything from how light works to how atoms form and many other things. In the definition section of the Wikipedia page I've linked, you'll also see how it's related to the other physical constants, including the electric charge, the speed of light, and pi. And there's no reason that it had to be nearly equal to 1 over 137. The second one that comes to mind is the Coide formula. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. K-O-I-D-E, which is a highly speculative relationship that someone happened to realize, which is that if you add up the masses of three of the fundamental particles, the three charged leptons, oh, I don't know what the fuck that What's is. What's a lepton? I, that was not around when we were learning about this stuff. No, Electron, muon, and tau lepton? Okay. Nope. No, I think this uh, is made up. I think this, this is true. Like I think Avatar he's trolling. Three. This yeah. is like Avatar 3 right here. Okay. You add up three of these fundamental particles and divide this. God, science and math is so dorky. You add up the masses of three of the fundamental particles and divide by the square of the sum of the square roots of them. Uh You get two thirds. Nobody knows if this is a coincidence or if there's real physics here. It could have been anything between one third and one. The Wikipedia page I've linked to also shows similar relationships among the other fundamental particles. This is a bit outside of the pure numbers you've discussed in the past, but still might be interesting numerology for you. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Joey, we appreciate your contribution to the discussion of numbers. I have to say that I think I don't understand what you're talking about. (laughs) Then we got a bunch of then we got a bunch of um, listener questions about um, just intonation and harmonics and whether music sounded differently in the olden days because everyone had tuned their pianos differently. Now this I spent so much time on Wikipedia in the last twenty four hours trying to understand just intonation, the well tempered clavier, the freaking why harpsichords sound weird, the difference between an A at four forty hertz versus four thirty two. There's so much going on with these with this music and these damn numbers, John, and and also about about wavelengths and harmonics and octaves. But you get that better than you get all that particle crap. Well, the particle shit sounds so fake to me. Right. Right. Okay. All right. I just wanted to make sure because I feel pretty stupid on that particle stuff. I don't know what's going on, but, and I don't know music either, but that those octaves and stuff. Right. Eight. Well, so one listener wrote in and said, uh, let's say, oh God, how can I even begin to, how can I even begin to read this? Okay. Mike wrote in and said, your mention of just intonation in the final minutes of episode 187 caught me by surprise. And I wanted to address some of the statements that David made about just intonation and well-tempered intonation. Lamont Young did not create just intonation. It was a very early method of tuning where all of the intervals in a scale are based on their distance from the root or tonic of the scale. In other words, in a C major scale using just intonation, the G will be exactly one-fifth above the C. I know what you're thinking, Mike writes. Isn't this how instruments are tuned already? Bear with me. If you were using C as your root for just intonation, If you moved to a different key, say D, the A will no longer be in tune in relation to the D because it was being tuned in relation to the C. That pure interval in C would no longer sound in tune in the new key. Okay, so I'm going to interrupt here. I think this is what I was thinking of when I said that they used to have different types of notes Mm -hmm. back in the olden times when Bach was making his music. Mm -hmm. I think it was this. 
So he says, why is this not an issue with modern instruments? Because all modern Western instruments have had their tuning adjusted slightly so that we can easily switch between the keys. All modern Western instruments have intervals that are slightly out of tune so that we don't need to have a C guitar to play in C. Wait a, a minute. D guitar. They're out of tune? I'm telling you, John, this is what I was getting at. This is why everything's so fucked up. Wait a minute. They're out of tune now? So we yes, like- so before they were using reading, like imperial finish. and then they to, now we're using metric. <clears throat> I mean, uh, you know what I'm saying? We're, we're using let me, let things so they can all work. Let me work. finish. All right. Let me finish. I don't, I, um, mm-hmm. You no longer need to have a C guitar to play in C or a D guitar to play in D and so on. It's crazy, right? We've all just gotten used to this slight out of tuneness so that key changes are easily accommodated. John, this is what I was talking about. Okay. So then he links to something about just intonation from something called the Chrysalis Foundation, and then a Wikipedia article about just intonation that I tried to read 11 times. I found the sound of the triads in these examples. So he, he, there's links you can click on a just intonation triad. He says, I found them to be spookily in tune. They sound right in a way that isn't achieved with modern intonation. And then finally, Bach's well-tempered clavier pieces were written to show how our modern, well-tempered system of intonation could be possible and sound pleasing. We weren't using just intonation before this, but the history of tuning is very complicated and mind-bending and just chock full of numbers. I don't understand that last paragraph. Hold on. We weren't using just intonation before this. I thought the whole point was we were using just intonation. Anyway. And how do we know this? Man, probably from history books or something. I don't know. Or, well, how, or does a, how does a book, sh- how can I read something in a book and know that it's out of tune? There's got to be something physical. There's like a tuning fork from the 1600s. I'm sure the score on the page looks the same. The musical score is the same notes. Yes. It's just, it's just that they're off by like, I think it's called like a scent, like very, very minor differences. But among how the notes. do we know? Because they probably had old-timey instruments that were still tuned in those old-timey ways, and they realized it. I, I don't – because like a piano is like in tune for like six months. How John, is an old-timey I instrument? I don't know, John. There's more research to do. What can I say? Well, what I want to know is I want to hear what this music sounded like. I want – You can go to these Wikipedia links and listen to it, and it won't sound that different. It actually okay. doesn't sound that different, but some people say – that over it's this is the same thing with a being at 440 hertz versus 432 hertz so this is something else i was reading about you know there's this whole conspiracy theory about that joseph goebbels decided that a should be at 432 hertz and then people did all this numerology bullshit about it because 432 is actually the sum of four consecutive prime numbers there's like all this like black magic numerology and that 440 hertz actually produces Listener exhaustion, if you're tuned to 440 hertz as opposed to 432 hertz, 432 hertz is actually like the base frequency of the universe or something. I'm telling you, I went so deep into these numbers last night. Anyway, eventually the world orchestras or like the World Society of Classical Music or something, they all standardized A to be 440 hertz. But some people say that that produces over time more listener exhaustion than if it was 432. And the same with just intonation, that things that are still in just intonation are somehow more pleasing. I don't understand. John, I'm getting some listener exhaustion right now. 
<laughs> try. I, I don't. What does that mean, listener exhaustion? It, it just hurts. Like ear fatigue. After a while of listening and listening and listening, your ears get tired and you don't want to listen to music anymore. You've never had that? Uh, I guess. But why well, would it be? A, you, you don't drink water and you don't listen to music. That's why it's impossible to have a conversation. No, with you but about if it was just topics. in a different key, why would I? My ears get more tired. My ears would get more tired if it was louder. Well, it's it's something about the I don't know brain frequencies and shit. I don't understand it, John. We don't know anything about the brain. <laughs> Big if true. <laughs> so listen. I'm still on my journey about these numbers, and I'm still yeah. on my journey about math and just intonation. And you're right. I, Lamont Young didn't invent just intonation, but he was a contemporary composer who was like very into it. And the thing I realized in doing research about just intonation and Lamont Young is just intonation is not a particular scale. I think just intonation means that you are using mathematically precise relationships between notes in a scale. So you can have all different types of scales in just intonation. Exactly. And Lamont Young, the pieces that I that I saw Lamont Young perform once at the Knitting Factory in 1862 was like blues and some just intonation. It was like a blues jam. But he had programmed his keyboard in some funky mathematically precise just intonation, and it just sounded like nettles to me. Hmm. But I shouldn't have said that he invented just intonation. The other thing I wanted to say, listeners might find this interesting on a more human level. There's all this back and forth about, about Bach and the well-tempered clavier, and, and he was trying to prove how you could have a piano that could be in tune across multiple keys, and it would sound great. I think that's what he was doing. So I was like, oh, I have, a, I have some LPs of that. So I have a bunch of my dad's old classical music LPs. So I pulled out a nice Bach set of this piece, the well-tempered clavier by Bach. Look, here it is. Archive. This was a good. This was a good record label for classical music. So archive. I think that's what it. Yeah, archive. Archive the, Productions. These that's, are like I super love, high I love end that name. classical. Yeah, super that's high great. end classical releases. Uh, so I pulled out this. I pulled out this box set to listen to it, and and I don't think my dad had ever listened. Then my dad has probably had this record for sixty years. I don't think he had ever listened to it because when I opened the sleeve to pull out the record, it was still had static cling. I think I listened to this record for the first time. That's kind of cool, right? Mm. I, I wow. don't know. Just because no, no, no. That's cool if you did listen to it for the first time. But just because it had static cling, me means that it was the first time. That isn't that how records work. That you know, when you pull a record out of the sleeve for the first time, there's like a. It's hard to get it out because there's like static electricity I, I, holding it in place. I think the last time I pulled a record out of a sleeve, a brand new record, I was probably pulling like a record that I was going to put on my Mickey Mouse player when I was a kid. Also, the record was spotless. Okay. So again, we didn't read all the letters about math or harmonic frequencies or just intonation or J.S. Bach or muons and protons, but I really enjoyed reading all these letters this week. And as, as I always say, I'm not, not yet done learning about these things because I do think it's kind of interesting, but I also think it's a little bit intimidating, but that's fine. It's okay to be a little bit intimidated, you know? Let the numbers intimidate me for a while. Once I learn everything, the numbers are the ones who will be intimidated. My mind will conquer these numbers, and we'll come up with some new types of funky music too, John. All right. John, Chris wrote in about our fashion Patreon episode. Yeah. Chris Chris writes in, loved your fashion episode. I have zero business giving anyone any fashion advice. I also have zero business betting my hard-earned money on Anthony Fauci's employment status. But here we are. For background, I'm somewhat unusually sized, 6'5", 250 pounds, but seriously middle-aged. 
52 man. Uh, regarding fit, I had a pretty bad luck finding shirts that fit and went down to the app-based tailoring route a few years ago. I started with something called M Taylor, but I'm currently a fan of proper cloth. It does work the way John described, strip down to your skivvies, let the app take some pictures and automatic measurements are made. They use this to create a size for you and they ship you a shirt. You then go through some iterations of giving them notes of the size, returning the shirt and getting sent a new one. It's slow and a bit embarrassing. So hold on, John, I want to explain to everyone who didn't listen to the fashion episode that John was saying that he wished there was an app that could basically do what a personal shopper does, which is size you up virtually and then figure out your unique body structure and then send you perfectly fitting shirts. And what Chris is writing in is saying like, yeah, that exists. That's great. Uh, He says it's slow and a bit uh, embarrassing, tedious, but he's ultimately ended up with a customized fit profile that's a perfect fit for me. Shirts are not cheap, uh, but I've had good luck uh, shopping the sales and getting most of mine for under 100 I think now I have about six shirts from them that are a perfect fit, and I feel more comfortable wearing this style of shirt than I ever have. Now, regarding jeans, he writes, you guys talked about waist and inseam and a little bit about cut. When you're looking at jeans, also think about rise, which is the measurement from the crotch up to the waist. Most off-the-shelf jeans have a very large rise, which looks dumb on my body type, he says. A low rise, think cowboy, not Britney Spears, works better for me. Okay, good to know. I really like the jeans from Dearborn Denim, which also have a bit of a stretch to them, which nobody notices but me. If you've never done a proper Levi's 501 shrink to fit, I highly recommend it. See, I always read that you didn't want to get too much stretch, that that was bad. Why? I don't know. That maybe it just looked cheap or something. But I always oh, like a little like stretch. like skinny jeans? Like what, what emos wear? Just any jeans. It's got a little... Like in the, in the olden days, like when we were kids, jeans didn't have any stretch. No, they were boxy and bulky. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe we look stupid. Maybe kids look better now because they do have stretch. Maybe. How many pairs of jeans do you have? That I can fit into? One. I recently realized I can fit into my Levi's jeans that I had pre-COVID. But the rest of the jeans I think are too tight now. I can't wear them. Yeah. I got one pair too. Yeah. So I've been rocking these. And you know what? These jeans that I can fit into, they're stretchy. And now that they're no longer brand new, I do wonder sometimes if they look a little chintzy because they have a stretchy vibe, you know, That's like what I'm talking about jeggings. It's not, you know what jeggings yeah. are? It's yeah. a cross between jeans and leggings. Yeah. And that kind of yeah. has like a bad in, uh, connotation. These yeah. don't look like that. It's not like that noticeable but it is kind of like when i put them on it's like are people gonna think it's weird that i'm wearing these stretchy jeans because they are a little form-fitting that could be because they're tight because i'm a little heavier than i probably was when i bought them yeah see that's how mine are too i feel you know if it's particularly cold you want to put on some like long johns under your jeans and the jeans are a little tighter that's the worst feeling and then you're like what what am i doing here what am I doing here? Exactly. What are, we, uh, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Like, what's the deal here? What's going on, guys? What's the plan? What are we doing here? Yeah. I got some corduroys. They don't, they don't, they don't, they don't give anything. 
They don't stretch at all. Corduroys are cold and unforgiving, John. Yeah. They give nothing away. You have to earn every inch of those corduroys. <laughs> that's, that's what the salesperson Are they told me. wide whale or narrow whale? I think that's what you say. I don't know. Man, I what used is, to rock corduroys. What does that mean? The whale, I think, is the how is the cord. Like how thick are the how thick are uh, the I think I think mine You know are, what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think mine are pretty narrow. The veins, we'll say veins. Are they wide mm-hmm. vein or <clears throat> no, they're narrow, narrow they're narrow vein. veins. Okay. They're narrow veins. But you know what? I think you can buy cords that that stretch a little too. I'm sure you can. With today's modern fabric technology and the spirit of innovation, I'm sure you can buy stretchy just about anything. I'm sure you can buy a stretchy laser printer. Do you think you can? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I bet you could buy a squishy laser printer somewhere. Yeah. 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 All right. Before we close out this episode, I'd like to thank the EPM listener who accosted me on the street a few weeks ago uh, and recommended an art show in Los Angeles. I actually wound up going to that art show this weekend, and it was kind of interesting. So thanks for that recommendation. That was nice. Yeah. Thanks, listener, for giving that recommendation to David. Um, Let's stop doing the podcast now, John. Closing credits. Election Profit Makers is an independent production. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash election profit makers. Send your election prediction questions to contact electionprofitmakers.com and please rate and review us on any of those podcast apps that you use. We appreciate that. And uh, we will see you on Thursday at the movies. That's on our Discord. Yeah, that's on the Discord. For the 9 to 5 watch party, 8 p.m. Eastern. That's right. You can access the Discord by signing up for the Patreon. Goodbye for now. Until next time, we are yours sincerely, the Election Profit Makers. Bye. Bye.